Welcome to the Pot of Gold podcast series where we focus on people and businesses within the mining industry with the objective to extract nuggets of wisdom and practical business advice. I'm your host, Jacques Besson. And if you're keen to listen to some more SME-focused podcast uh, series, check out BizCrush. And if Afrikaans is your thing, check out Clipcoish, which focuses on Afrikaans SMEs. Welcome to the Crypto Mining, Women in Mining webinar series. This first webinar, the ladies discuss women raising their hand and stepping into leadership. Happy listening and learning. Okay, I'd like to take this time to, to greet everyone again and welcome you to, to today's webinar that is hosted by Crypto Women in Mining. So once again, my name is Zintetla Kawe. I'm a member of Krypton's Women in Mining based here in South Africa. And mine is to really welcome you all today. We do appreciate the time that each of you have taken to, to be a part of this engagement. I'd like to introduce our host for today. Um, we're now in the interesting part of the session, why we are all here. And that is Hulisani Mabe, the Executive Director for Mining and Customer Relations at Krypton Mining. Um, so Hulisani is a qualified geologist with 15 years experience in the mining industry, where she's fulfilled various uh, roles and positions. As I mentioned earlier, she is currently an executive director for mining and customer relations at Krypton Mining, and also the founder and chairperson of the Krypton Women in Mining. Hulisani is also a mentor that is passionate about creating networks for people to grow and tap into their God-given potential. And it is my pleasure at this moment to introduce her as our host for today. So Huli, you are welcome, madam, and you may take over. Oh, thank you, Zintle. <laughs> thank you for kickstarting the session for us. I really appreciate that. Um, and welcome to everybody. Thank you for taking the time out to be here. Um, this means a lot to us as Krypton women in mining. It means that there are women out there that are willing to invest in themselves to expand their knowledge, women that are willing to step up into roles and levels that are beyond where they are currently. Today, uh, we, we are here to celebrate women. We're here to, to share experiences. We're here to um, share journeys, right? And, and hopefully create bonds and connections um, and networks that will be solid and last further than this engagement today. Um, I'm quite uh, passionate uh, about mentorship and women in mining or women in general, right? So issues pertaining to women empowerment speaks to me, um, just like Zintle said in, in her introduction. So this for me, it's I'm in a happy place. And the same for Larissa. Larissa is, is a fellow woman in mining. She's in the United States right now. So it's quite early for her. Good morning. <laughs> Uh, and welcome. I really appreciate you taking the time out to be with us and to, to just pour out yourself to the women in the South African mining industry. Um, so before we go any further, I would just like to give you a brief introduction on who Larissa is. I've known her for about 10 years now. I was counting. <laughs> so when I wanted to change careers and move from pure geology and navigate into the mining technology industry, I was blessed enough to find Larissa in the company that I was in. She was my coach and mentor uh, to a certain extent. <laughs> I learned a lot from him. Currently, Larissa is serving as an, a global director 
at a, a mining technology company that is global. She holds two master's degrees, um, a geology master's degree and, and also an MBA from Arizona. She also holds quite a lot of other qualifications, including a qualification from Harvard in Women in Leadership. That's just a brief introduction on who Larissa is. I'm sure she'll share a little bit more as we go. But yeah, welcome, Larissa, and welcome, ladies on the line. I really appreciate you being here. Larissa, I know when we talk about women in mining, a lot of things pop up. When we started in this industry, it was quite male-dominated. Things have changed. Things are improving. We are not where we want to be as yet. And I guess that's why we are here, to wrap shoulders. And it's just a, a beautiful thing that our country dedicates an entire month, right, to celebrating women. It's not celebrated at, you know, everywhere in the world. So that's something to, to really be grateful for as South Africans. Um, so uh, Larissa is also a co-founding member of the Women in Mining Arizona chapter. And I know, Larry, you are more than just a founding member in, in the Arizona chapter. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your journey, where you've been, who you are, where we are? <laughs> <laughs> I've said a lot, but let's <laughs> Thank you so much, Holifani, and thank you everyone else for being on the call today. I really appreciate it. And uh, it's an honor for me to be part of this and to be part of the women's series that Holifani is kicking off. So I appreciate that. Um, as you all know, I'm a fellow South African. I relocated to the United States around uh, 10 years ago. And I used to be a geologist. I worked at several mines and, uh, and then just pivoted to different careers and holding different roles. I mean, I, I'm still a little bit attached to mining, but more technology and innovation. And, and it's been a journey. Yes, it has been a journey. I, I left South Africa 10 years ago. And when I moved to the U.S., I started a family. I had two little boys and a busy mom. It's just everyday life juggling, juggling being a mother and uh, being a full-time employee as well. It's a challenge. Um, but, you know, I enjoy it. It keeps me busy. It keeps my mind active. And, and I'm excited for that part of my life, watching my kids grow. In terms of career, it seems like uh, having the growth mindset is, is important. But there comes a time where you have to wonder about how much of studying is, is, is enough. <laughs> and we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but, um, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Larry. What a beautiful picture this is, right? <laughs> Just like me, a mother, uh, navigating um, your career, juggling all the balls and just trying to make sure that nothing falls, right? So I think it's, it's an interesting thing that you brought out there that, you know, when given an opportunity to speak about yourself, you spoke about being a mom, right? In terms of your career journey, right, it's quite an interesting one. Um, has it always been a plan of yours to see yourself being a director, to see yourself going abroad and exploring other things? Has this always been a, a plan for yourself? Yes, Holly. When I was 12 years old, I had mapped out my life. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I had it down to the task. Said no one ever. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> so, no, I did not. Um, look, overall, overarching, I knew that I wanted to live abroad and, and not because I didn't like South Africa or anything. I just wanted to experience different cultures. And even though I live in the United States, I still don't think that this will be the end all and be all of where I would live. I like meeting different people and experiencing different cultures. So that was, this is just a U.S. experience as I've had a South African experience. And I like working with people. I like people management. I like leadership. 
So being a geologist, part of part of my career was very much in the field. I mean, you most most geologists would know how that is, right? So mm-hmm. and it can be lonely sometimes. So I knew that I liked that part of my life where I would interact with people and and learn about management styles and leading people and and so I found a career where I am very much engaged with the customer, still slightly attached to geology and technology, but um, you know no longer a geologist. So <laughs> yeah, so I think somewhat the plan was kind of there, but. I didn't plan for it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Going back to being a co-founder of the um, Women in Mining um, Arizona chapter, um, how did that come about? Yeah. So, I mean, when I left South Africa, the Women in Mining um, organization was pretty established and very, uh, and I, I believe it's very successful right now. Um, and when I moved to Arizona, and Arizona is known as a copper state, so there's a lot of mining going on and just a lot of mining activity, and there's a lot of women in the industry as well. But I realized there was just no, I was searching for mentorship, community, sponsorship. And I just realized this, I just didn't know where to turn to. Mm-hmm. So a few like-minded women like myself, we banded together and started the chapter. There was a woman in mining uh, U.S., and there were various chapters in the various states, but Arizona didn't have one. So a couple of years ago, created one and it's been thriving. And the current members and, and the president are just doing amazing things in terms of scholarship, running events throughout the year. And it, it just keeps growing every day. So quite, quite excited about that and quite excited about those strong women that are running it currently. Yeah, that's that's quite powerful, Larry. So that even you know when you find yourself in a in a foreign country, you know you you still wanted a community, and I think that that talks to what we're going to be discussing today, right? That sometimes the mining industry can become very lonely, right? And if you don't belong in a community, you don't have strong networks that you can fall back on. Um, it can become very lonely, especially if you you, you aspiring to grow and, and to step up into areas and levels of leadership. It gets lonelier and lonelier as you go up. So that that's, that's quite something interesting that you're bringing up. We'll sort of go deeper on it as we go. So I want us to, to get on to what we are here for, right? to discuss the issue of women raising their hands for leadership, right? I'm often told, you know, raise your hand, uh, take more, right? Ask for more, uh, step into areas that are uncomfortable. But my question is always, is it always that easy, right? Um, is it as easy as it is said? What other qualities do I need to possess as a, as a woman or as an individual, as a professional in mining um, to be able to have the confidence um, to take up more, right? To raise my hand. And, but my question to you, Larissa, is, is it always that easy? Um, is it as easy as, as it is said? What's your take, Larissa? Yeah, so personally for me, I found that I don't, I don't think it's that easy to raise my hand and, and step into leadership. And the reason <laughs> for that, <laughs> I mean, the action is pretty easy, <laughs> but what does that mean? And I, and I think as, as a woman, um, we have so many things that we're juggling and you spoke about this earlier. But for me, when I think about the action of raising my hand, like what does that actually mean? And I think about the 10 steps ahead about okay, well, am I going to be, you know, sufficiently knowledgeable in, in what this means, like uh, an elevated position? Would I have 
the right skills. This is obviously going to mean that I have an extra workload, but then what happens to my workload at home? Like that's still going to stay the same. And then I'm going to find myself having less time for me. And, you know, like that, that's an issue. And I think about all the complexities. Am I going to make those endless meetings that everybody puts in these days? You know, am I going to be there for, for other extracurricular activities? And so I'm hesitant when it comes to raising my hand sometimes, just because of all the other things that go with it. And, and that's just my personal experience. And, and I'm, I'm excited to see that, you know, it's the polls kind of a 50-50 here. So it, it would be interesting to hear about how, why others think that it's easy because, you know, um, for me personally, it's not. Cynthia, do we have uh, results on the poll? I'm, I'm interested in finding out what everybody else feels. Yes, Huli, the ladies are voting. Let's just give it a minute. <laughs> I can't have a problem. So as we're waiting for the results to come, I can, I can pitch in here, right? So my observation, and I'm seeing a lot of young girls and, and, and appreciated that we've got, you know, some ladies that are very sort of new into the mining industry. We've got a few ladies that are, are still in, in universities that have joined um, this talk this afternoon. So you are seeing a lot more interest in women wanting to get into the mining industry. But in my observation, I'm not seeing a lot of women in top management. Um, I'm seeing a lot of women becoming frustrated. We come in as professionals, we come in as mining engineers, as geologists, you get stuck in mid-management. Um, and and it, it sort of feels that that's, that's how far you can ever go. And I want us to, to sort of dissect it and break it down for ourselves. What are the things that we can start to do um, to enable us to, to break the ceiling, to get to those positions? Because it's really not easy. We are in an industry that is um, male-dominated, and we have to fight a lot of stereotypes before we get to um, to gaining the confidence that we we ought to have. I see the the stats are saying seventy six percent it's no, um, and we've got twenty four percent that says yes. And I would be interested in, in getting a view from the twenty four percent right um, on the chat because we want to hear how you're doing it, right? So the 24% of people that says they find it easy to step into raise their hands and, and to take up more. Um, I'd like to hear where are you in your career? Are you in the beginning? Are you at the end? Please talk to us on the chat um, because that's what we want to get. That's the gold, right? That's the goal that everyone who's sitting here, who's interested and willing uh, to grow their career, they want to walk away with that. Back to you, Larissa. So. Why do you think it's not easy? What are the reasons? Yeah, you know, firstly, I think, like I said to you personally, those were mine, but, you know, just uh, having talked to other women, surveyed other women and, and just, you know, articles online and things like that, there's a series of reasons, right? Like one, the one big thing is it's lonely up there and sometimes you're the only woman up there. And then women suffer from imposter syndrome, mostly women, yeah. right? Um, and it, it, it is exactly that, imposter syndrome, because those that don't suffer from imposter syndrome are imposters, right? So, <laughs> and it's normal, it's natural, but I think, you know, we always have to draw on our strengths, right? And we will talk about that later, but there's this constant, like you said, beating the stereotypes and this, this noise almost in the background. There was a nice diagram about women having heard it all. Things like 
oh, I thought you were just here for the coffee, or I thought you were here to provide the coffee, or, you know, I, I never thought you wanted this. And um, there's a lack of like proper mentorship and sponsorship. And like I had said personally, I think the workload at home and the workload at the office, you know, there needs to be a balance, but really who has a balance? And it just anxiety and stress around those things can be daunting and just people wouldn't want to do that. People wouldn't want to raise their hands as much. There's no support system, like I said, when it came to a network and just, you know, finding your tribe almost. I didn't find that. And like I said to you, it's very lonely out there. So you don't always have that, right? And and I think we really should talk about it because it, it, it is a reality. I mean, personally, I don't take off. I would like to take off, but I just don't. And yeah. you'll find that a lot of these like side sort of relationships and some of these things, they happen you know, they, they happen out there and then you feel left out or, or maybe there's, there's certain types of activities that happen. And as a woman, you're just like, well, I can't really be there because I need to be home. And, you know, it's those type of things and it's the relationship building. And I think sometimes we struggle in those areas. Right. Mm. And I'm not saying that companies shouldn't do that. It, they should absolutely do that. It's just that you need to accommodate for other people as well around those things. Right. The funny one was I was talking to a manager that I once had and and she said to me that she wanted a director position and she'd been working in this role for a very long time. And she spoke to her manager and she said, I, I want to be a director. And he said, oh my, I didn't even know that that's what you wanted. Um, wow. So I think there's, wow. some, there's some communication things too, right? Uh, and this was back in the day. So, you know, the, hopefully things have changed in, in organizations right now but we're always told don't ask like wait for people to see how you're being how you're doing and they'll promote you but no it's okay to ask because that's never gonna happen <laughs> Definitely. <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> exactly and then you know I was once told that in order for me to get the next position higher up I needed to find my own replacement and and I was talking to a friend of mine recently and she said a similar thing they're like well who's gonna do your job you know, and it's kind of like a their problem, not a me problem or anything, but that's, that's what we met with. Right. And like, how do you work? How do you work with that? And, and I remember you and I had to, had to talk and you also mentioned this just now was being stuck in middle management. Why a woman stuck there? Well, what, what do you think about that? Larissa, for me, and, and this is the reason why I brought this topic up, because I'm finding that a lot of us sitting here, you go to university with big dreams, right? You see yourself in the corner office, you see yourself doing great things, right? And for some reason, once you get into industry, all those dreams, one by one, they get stripped off. And, and you find that um, a lot of women are not breaking through and then and there's a lot of frustration. But I liked what you brought in, you know, the element of communication. Up until I found a mentor for myself, I think I struggled with communicating exactly what I want at the right time with the right people as well. Uh, many a times when we find ourselves sitting in performance review sessions and you're asked, what do, where do you see yourself in five years, right? And very few people say boldly, I want to be a director. I want to be a manager. I want to, because you're sort of shying away from, from what the other person will think of you. 
even if they cannot give you that role at that moment or give you what you're asking for, you've put your word out there. It is known, right? When, when opportunities come, people will know that Larissa is interested. People will know that Willisan is interested. And I think that's a very key thing that I've learned ever since I found a mentor for myself that learn to speak what you want clearly and also stick to it. So that's something that I'm sort of learning, but it has been a, a hindrance in the past. So lack of communication from our side, whereas our male counterparts, they can freely make their wishes known, right? But another thing that I find that becomes a big problem is the imposter syndrome, feeling that I'm not qualified enough. We want to tick all the boxes, right? Before you you say I'm ready or you put through your application uh, for that role. That is one thing that holds us back a lot. And I just want us to talk a little bit about that. You are exempted from this because you carry a lot of qualifications. <laughs> um, but my question to you is that, is it all necessary, right? Are the qualifications necessary? Where do we draw the line? If you can just help us with that, Larissa. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, you say I'm exempted, but I was that person. So, I mean, there's a reason why I've done this many qualifications. When I moved to the U.S., I felt like I didn't have a U.S. education. So maybe I was not good enough. So I did have imposter syndrome. You know, mm-hmm. I felt like, oh, well, it's such a science degree and I'm pivoted from geology. I don't know anything about business. And honestly, that's not even true. Like you can read an article, you can you can do some online research. You don't necessarily have to go do an MBA. I did one, it was fulfilling and it was something I wanted to do. But now that I think back, what did I learn from an MBA? You can learn anything from an MBA that you can learn online. You don't have to go enroll at a university. You know, I did it for those reasons of I didn't feel like I was good enough coming to the U.S., working in a male-dominated field, traveling to these sites, meeting primarily men. And then, firstly, I didn't know the lingo. I didn't even, they use a different system. I mean, I, we use kilograms and, and meters, and they were doing inches and yards. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. And those were the things that hindered me and probably it never even showed. But internally, I struggled with those things. So mm-hmm. I went ahead and did all of those things. But but I realized that you don't have to check all the boxes when you're trying to get a new job or when you're trying to go for that promotion. Because if you did check all of those boxes, where's the room for growth then? Because you would easily get bored. You would feel almost redundant in that role. And you'd be like, okay, well, what next? And then they, then comes the frustration. Then comes the, I'm bored. I need to find something else. So really... If you know 70% of the job, that's good enough because then you have 30% to go. And I think that's something women, we so literal sometimes are like, oh, well, I don't have those five things that it's asking for. So I'm not good enough and I can't do this job. No, you absolutely can do the job. And there's also this rush. And I I noticed like there's like Bitcoin and crypto and AI and machine learning and all of these things. And we're like, oh, I don't know what that is. I need to go study for this. No, you don't. Like (laughs) you can go watch a YouTube video, (laughs) you know? And also it's like finding who you are. Because sometimes you said we're stuck in middle management. Maybe there's not a real development path for us and we should ask for it. Like don't hesitate to ask for that. Because maybe you are not ready yet, but you would be okay if somebody or your HR or your manager gave you a path of, yes, you know what, you're not ready yet, but I think if you did these 10 things or whatever throughout the year, we're going to get you there. And that is that is a solid plan for you to get to where you want to get to. But 
also, you know, you have to go back and think about who am I? Because a lot of people struggle with, well, I don't really know what I want to do. And, and most people have that issue. It's like, well, I don't know if this is the right job for me. And I think we should always start with yourself. You know, there's some online tests, there's free resources. I think we'll share them with you guys as well. Is that yeah. find out the best part of yourself. And then you know where exactly you want to go to, you know, find companies, go do some research, find companies that align with your, with, with your values, do those type of things and then figure out, well, maybe this, this current position is not really for me. Maybe I want to do something else. So this does not bring out my strengths in this kind of way I want to be. I just realized that I was all over the place at the beginning because I felt like I needed yeah. to study everything. And, and really you, you should, you don't have to be like a jack of all trades. You could yeah. just not have to be that way. Right. To add on to that, Larissa, qualifications are important. You need to feel that you know what you're talking about. You need to feel that you've got the right lingo, you've got the right credentials, um, that you don't feel that you're not in the right, you're misplaced, um, if I can put it in that way. But we can overdo it sometimes that we end up building uh, resumes. You're busy building a CV and not building a career where you find yourself that you've got all this many qualifications, but given a role, you are not able to navigate. You're not able to perform on that role because you've spent so much time building a CV and not necessarily uh, your career. So I'm all for get mentorship Get communities where you can grow. Jump into YouTube channels and teach yourself things that you won't necessarily find on a, on a course, on a, on a structured course at a university. That will help you as compared to spending your entire five years in your early career just getting qualifications, whereas you're not solidifying your knowledge, right? And then you become an imposter in that regard. Thanks, Jack. So what we have here, and I think we'll share it at the end, it's just some of the sites, Larissa, you can talk to this, and some of the tests that are available where people can go and start, leave it here, Jack, and go and try and discover yourself I think it all starts in discovering who you are. Be true to what you want to be. If you don't see yourself working with people, you're going to be a bad manager. Don't pursue a management position. Rather pursue a specialist position, right? Um, I'll make an example with myself. I knew for one that I'd like clean environments, right? So um, as a geologist, we spend a lot of time in the field, Larissa, in the beginning. Um, and it was stimulating and, and it's part in growing us. Um, but they came a time wherein you realize that you want more, you want something different and you do that introspection. And for me, technology and innovation was what spoke to me. It, it became easier for me to grow into that. And I did not necessarily need to go do another degree in IT to be validated or to raise my hand and step into uh, levels of leadership. But building your career, learning as much as you can from the people around you, creating communities, that's important. Thanks, Jack. So, Larissa, I just want us to talk a little bit because your career and my career are sort of similar, right, in how we navigated <laughs> geologists that ran away. <laughs> but we're still geologists at heart. Just talk a little bit about your changing your career. How did you pivot? 
Yeah, well, I guess we mined out all the diamonds we needed, Holly, so then we had to move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like you said, you know, sometimes change is the only thing that's constant. And, and you know, we always afraid to take that step. And, and it is daunting. Like, I spent so many years studying to be a geologist, and then what? I'm not a geologist anymore. Like, it feels like it's almost wasted, but I really don't think so. I think you learn things along the way, soft skills, relation. You know, you said, don't just build a, a resume, build a career also build your relationships you know those will carry you forward a long way uh, honest truthful good relationships and when I say relationships I don't necessarily mean only relationships with women because you have to align yourself with our male counterparts and sometimes they may just not be aware they're so stuck in their own world sometimes that they may just not be aware that hey I'm going through these issues and and the only reason I say that is because I used to have a manager and he was so the complete opposite of me. He wasn't even in mining. And one day I said to him, I said, you know, what you said, it just didn't gel well. And he said, oh, my goodness, I didn't even realize this. And he said, can you do me a favor? And when, when things like this come up, will you remind me? And I appreciate, I respected, I appreciated that. And, you know, I was getting offended. I was making a story about it. Oh, he's being racist. He's being sexist. No, he was not. He was just unaware. And once again, it goes back to that communication. You know, we make our stories about, and, you know, I put up a test today about finding our own biases. We also have biases. It's good to know where your biases lie as well. And so, you know, it's just a matter of, hey, you know, you made me feel like this. Did you mean to just have an open, honest conversation? And honestly, some people are not up to that. That's okay. But they should know exactly who you are. Another thing is like, I noticed in the chat, somebody said, you're not considered or seen as a subject matter expert or whatever. Speak for yourself, say it. Mm -hmm. And then also your work will show it. If there's other women in the room and you thought they said something really good, say it to them, say it to everyone in the room. I thought what you said was very powerful or I, I second what you said, or thank you for sharing that very you know vital point. Say those things. A, a lot of times I've heard a woman comes up with a really good idea and her male counterpart would hijack that idea and continue with it. And everyone would be like, he came up with a really good idea. No, hmm. he didn't. Right. So take the conversation back to the woman. Say, actually, as I had stated before, or as she had stated, it's okay to do that. You know, and another thing that, that really, really annoys me is like, we're in the boardroom or we're in a meeting. It's assumed that the woman will take the notes. Why? No, <laughs> take a turn. You know, yes, <laughs> have yes. a turn. They, everybody should take notes. We, we can all take notes, right? I mean, it's, it's these little things, and, and I'm saying this because it's been my personal experience, but it's these little things that get me annoyed and then it becomes a huge thing and then it's like, the world hates me. No, just communicate how you're feeling. You can all move on from it and it's not a big deal. And like I said, people may not even be aware and just bringing in, shedding the light, it helps. I just like what Rafila brought here on the chats, right? About women wearing so many hats. And we are expected to be um, subject matter experts on all of them, right? We need to draw the line sometimes. You and I were discussing about, you know, women having it all. We can have it all, but we just don't have to have it all at the same time, right? So there are seasons, right? You spoke the other time about, you know, the biological clock and the career clock not being so aligned. And we need to know which clock am I running on as a woman so that you don't get frustrated and be okay with not being an expert at 
delegate certain things, delegate certain uh, responsibilities that you cannot carry at a point in time. And that talks to mental health. And I think we'll touch a little bit about it towards the end of our conversation. But I just felt that that was something that we, most of us carry that, right? We feel that we expect it to be an expert in everything that we do. At home, you must be a super mom, a super wife, a super friend. At work, you must still be everything that everybody wants. But we need to just manage ourselves, manage our tolerance levels and be able to detect the clock we are running on in a season, right? So if you're in a season where you're building yourself, do that honestly. And if you are in a season of being something else, focus on that, not neglecting the other, but we cannot have it all at the same time. It's impossible. Even men don't do that. That is very true. That is very true. Yeah. And and also sometimes, you know, we always feel like we need to have the answer because we might show up as being weak or we don't know. It's okay to say, no, I don't know. Sorry, I can't comment on that. Oh, I don't know. Oh, no, I can't do that right now. And I think, you know, it's, it's okay. It, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. It's a sign of I'm not going to do this right now because it's not going to be, it's not going to work for me. And that's okay. Yeah. I just want to bring the elements of resilience, right? And this this can help for a person who's feeling stuck. If you're feeling stuck in a position or stuck in a career and you want to, to break through onto another level, sometimes it's not a straight line. It can be a curve. <laughs> there are many ways to getting to where you, you want to be. Um, and I think that which we spoke about, uh, pivoting, right? You need to diversify. Going deeper and deeper into engineering might not be necessarily what you need to do. Maybe you need to go do a short course in project management that can break the ceiling for you, right? Maybe you need to go do a short course in AI, artificial intelligence, that can just help you to step into areas of innovation and technology. So we need to be open-minded and not think of our careers in a straight path, right? Because sometimes opportunities won't necessarily come from where we expect them to come. We need to look for them from all ends and expose ourselves to different things. I speak of diversifying. I'm I'm all for diversifying. If the mining industry collapses in South Africa, we need to be resilient enough to find jobs elsewhere, (laughs) right? So that's just my take in life. So I'm just throwing it out there. Let's look at other options that may be available for us to grow and step into other positions. Jan, I just want you to bring out a story of Michelle Obama. Maybe you can talk to that, uh, Larissa. You can pivot at any age. (laughs) You can pivot at any time. You can change your career at any position. Just talk a little bit about that for us, um, Larissa. Yeah, but before we, we go on to Michelle, you know, you talked about step out of that diversify, but there's also things like passion projects, you know, you don't, it always doesn't have to be about your career, you can, you can take up a course in art or photography or do something for yourself, make yourself happy too, you know, it doesn't always have to be about work, 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 it, it can be any other thing that brings out your creativity. And, you know, th- there's so many women, there's like Charlie Saron, Mindy Kaling, uh, you know, Cheryl Sandberg, Tyra Banks, all of these women started off in one career, ended up somewhere, even Oprah, she did the same mm-hmm. thing. But Michelle Obama, she was like this high-flying lawyer, six or seven-figure salary, 
sitting in this beautiful office. You know, she had it all. She went to Harvard, she went to Princeton. You guys probably have read her book or heard of it called Becoming. It's a really, really good book to read. But, you know, she decided, okay, this is not serving me and this does not bring me joy and happiness and I want to do more. And she went into, you know, public service. Those are people, you know, who had it all and then just decided, well, I'm going to pivot and do something else. And that's mm-hmm. okay. She's happy. Yeah. Look how she's she's doing, right? And she's also an author. <laughs> so, <Exactly. yeah. laughs> Thanks a lot, Jack. I just want to step into something else now, Larissa. Something that is a passion of, of mine. Mentorship. Can you maybe just take us through, you know, the difference between mentorship and sponsorship so that we... Because I feel that that's just a gem there. You know, that's where the gold of growth and breaking the ceiling lies, right? Finding the right mentor and the right sponsor. Just help us to understand that. Yeah, just to give you a quick description of what each one is. And really, my perception of a mentor when I was younger was always like this, this knowledgeable six foot white man that was older and experienced and he was going to save me. <laughs> right. It was like, he's going to tell me everything I need to know. And then I'm going to be ready. And, and really, this was when I was very young and naive. Right? And like sponsors are the people that advocate for you. Right. But, you know, going back to mentors and what they actually do is that you can have a mentor anywhere. You don't have, it doesn't have to be what you think it needs to be. It could be your neighbor. It could be someone that you talk to that, that will advise you on something. It could be your family members. And, you know, like my sister, she's one of my, my biggest mentors, right? She's like my best friend. And then I have a best friend in South Africa still. And like, you know, if I'm running into issues, she's in finance. If I'm running into issues at my work or whatever, I'll ping her. I'll be like, hey, what do you think about this? And, you know, emotions aside or whatever, like, what do you think about it? And, and I think meeting mentors, you should have as many as you want to. Put yourself out there. If you don't know how to do that, just ask someone. Ask someone like, hey, like, what do you think about mentoring? Is it some, something you think, you know, you could do? You could help me out and speak to people, you know, even on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a really, really good platform. You know, yes. you can reach out to people. I've reached out to strangers. They put some content in. There's a, a slide about mentorship and sponsorship. And it's this girl. Her name's Gayatri Shanai. And she's a senior partner at uh, McKinsey, which is a consulting company. And we'll, we'll show you uh, her experience just now. But you know, just reaching out to someone like that. I don't know her, but just reaching out and saying, hey, I, I saw your article. I thought it was really amazing. Give a comment. And like, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Or do you think I should do this? And and most people will reach out and they'll be okay. Like, yeah, sure. I recently reached out to someone at Amazon. I don't know him. And I said, look, I, I saw your work online. I saw your post. I thought it was really powerful. I'm interested in this. What are your thoughts on that? He, he said, hey, send me your email. I sent him an email. He sent me a host of resources, an attachment of like his own personal notes. And he's like, I hope this helps you. Let me know. We can always talk a little bit more. Give me a call anytime. I'm like, I don't know this person, but he was, he was good enough and kind enough. And sometimes you'll, be, you'll get people that ignore you. But guess what? There's billions of people in the world. You're going to find someone, right? So True. just do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need both, right? You cannot do with just a mentor or just a sponsor. You need both because they're different. They serve a different purpose. A mentor is somebody who will will guide you, who will advise you. Um, And sometimes they'll walk the journey with you at home, at work. They will understand you as a whole person, right? Um, But a sponsor is just that person that 
can be able to, to throw in a good word for you in forums and areas where you may not necessarily have a voice, right? So that's somebody that can sponsor you to getting a, a new position, speak on your behalf, mention you in situations where decisions can be made that can favor your career. So we need both, right? So we need to leverage on our networks and make sure that we've got sponsors that committed to speaking good about us and the work that we do. And we can be one another sponsors, right? In meetings, right? When you see another woman being overlooked, that's an opportunity right there to be a sponsor, right? So, so this person is a, she's a subject matter expert. Give her a chance, right? Congratulate another lady for, for doing a good presentation, right? Cheering one another on. Those are some of the things that we can start to actively do as women, but make sure that you've got uh, sponsors in your circle in, and they can be men, they can be women, but you need them. You need people that will speak on your behalf. I've been fortunate enough to have a, a mentor who sort of works as, you know, as a sponsor as well, but she's purely my mentor. And I just want to give Anna Maria an opportunity to share a little bit on her experience as a mentor. And she's also being mentored. You cannot just be a mentor and not be mentored. If you've got a mentor that is not being mentored, <laughs> you've got a problem. So you want to be mentored by somebody who can be a mentee as well. Um, so Anna-Marie, if you're available, I just want you to share a little bit, you know, on your understanding on mentorship and your take on the two. Yeah, so mentorship and coaching, but more mentorship, because coaching more links to teaching somebody a specialized skill, a specific skill, and then walking away. But mentorship is something that I'm really, really passionate about, and especially mentoring women and helping women to find their passion in life, and also to support them in the work environment, to help them to see what they can achieve and what is possible in, in those environments. So for many years, I was one of the people that were of the opinion that I can get there by myself. I don't need anybody to mentor me until I had my first mentor. And then I realized that is not true and the value that you get from that. And what I also then realized is that if you mentor, the information that is shared with you and the inputs that you get from another person, you automatically use some of that to also give it through to your mentee and to empower your mentee through what you learn. So in that regard, I think when you go out and you search for a mentor, I think it's one of the important things to decide who will be your mentor or not is to, to look for people also open to be mentored and who's also a mentee, not only a mentor for that matter. And I think when you look for a mentor, um, look for somebody that fits in your environment. And as Larissa has said, it does not need to be somebody that works with you. It can be somebody outside of your work environment. But you need to have a fit with that person. You need to have a connection with that person. If you don't get that from a person that you want to mentor you, it will not be a good relationship. You will struggle with the relationship and you will not be vulnerable and you will not be able to open up towards that person. So in that regard, it is, it is really extremely important to find the connection, find somebody with whom you can have the connection, with who you will trust enough to share what you need to share and be open to learn from that person. But also being a mentor, you learn so much from your mentees. If I just look back on, on my journey as being a mentor and how much I've learned from people that I was mentoring. It's a, a two-way street. It's not only you mentoring somebody and giving away your knowledge and giving your guidance and, and so forth. It's also gaining a lot from your mentees. So I think in that regard, it is extremely important for the relationship to be a two-way street and not 
thinking that you're now in this position and you're the only one that gives and mentors and coach and learn this person, but be open to also learn from your mentee. Thank you so much, Anna Mary, for sharing and you know elaborating on the difference between the two. Earlier on, I mentioned that when I, I wanted to change careers, I, I met Larissa. Larissa was more of a coach to me because she assisted me to understand technologies, right? And that's that's also important, right? So a sponsor, a coach, a mentor, all of those things are important because for your journey in your career to, to be fulfilling <laughs> and to be successful, you want to learn from people who've been to places you've not been and those relationships allows you to tap into to those areas you know get knowledge from books that they've read right Anna Marie is quite a reader right so each time I sit with her I don't necessarily have to go read the entire book but I get so much knowledge from what she has read her journeys it differs you know from person to person but be clear on what you want to get from a mentor mentee relationship define that clearly for yourself as you define you know your career um, and make sure that the two align Hi, Larissa. Yeah, and, and you know, going back to like sponsors and mentorship. So I, I think with sponsors, you know, if it's it's more in your company, you know, in your reporting line. I know, you know, somebody put in the chat, I think it was Todd Law, she said the industry itself needs to open room for women and not expect extraordinary inputs. Yes, that is true. But as women, what can we do? Like change starts with us, right? Like we were starting this conversation, you're starting this series. Okay, there needs to be the talk, but there also needs to be the action. And, and I think that's where like sponsorship is very important. Like mentors have mentees and sponsors have protégés, right? You have to like ensure that you're not going to hand out jobs and promotions to everyone, right? Like you're going to help them along the way, but help them along the way. You know, uh, when I did that course in Harvard, they said, you know, take some time and write down two to four people that you can mentor and sponsor and let that run for at least six months to a year. And that's a way of giving back. That's a way of doing something that you know, hey, I can actually impact this. I can help this, you know, share job postings from your company on LinkedIn or send it to your network, you know, start these communities, start actionable things that you can say, well, you know, I'm trying this and I'm doing this. And and maybe just ensure people are paying it forward. You know, if I'm helping five people, make sure they help five people too. And those five people help another five people. And really it, it can be from minority groups. It can be women. Sometimes we get so focused on just women only. And yes, it's been our struggle for the most part in these industries but really helping anyone that needs help is a good start so if you don't have two to four women you know find someone from a minority group that you can help and then and that is powerful in itself definitely anybody can be a mentor right so there's always somebody that you can help on a journey even if you're an honor student there's a first year that you can mentor even if it's your first year of work you can mentor someone who is still studying right so there is no sort of limit and you'll be amazed at what you learn from those relationships I just want to run another poll just to help us you know gauge where we are with regards to this area of mentorship you know who's got a mentor who does not have a mentor we can start, you know, finding mentors here online, right? So we can start. And also, if you feel you don't need a mentor, like Anna Marie said that, you know, at some point she felt she she can do it on her own. Be honest and say it. But yeah, I think let's see where we are. 
one thing for sure that I've gained from my relationship. I was not a reader. I was, I used to read books, but because my mentor reads a lot, I end up reading. <laughs> so there's a book that we go through each month. So if you look in 12 months on my own, I could have only read two or three books in a year, but being in a mentorship relationship that forces you to do stuff, I end up reading more than I would have if I was just on my own. All right. So there is a need. There is definitely a need, right? So 38% of the people online have got mentors and then 63% do not have mentors. I just want to use this as an opportunity for, for the people here, right? You know, find people online. We will start connecting on LinkedIn. Uh, Larissa said it earlier on LinkedIn is a powerful tool we need there, right? So you can start engaging with people from other fields. Um, you can start engaging with people that in other companies that you may be interested in. As, uh, as we're preparing this, you know, um, and we're saying raise up your hand and raise up your hand, I thought to myself, people need to also see themselves as a brand, right? So that when you start to look for jobs and and positions of leadership, you find the right brand to identify with. You find the right company that you identify with, that you don't just put yourself out there to anything, right? So that's something that I just want us to, to take cognizance of. Larissa, what can we change? Is it all that bad? <laughs> No, no. So, so, and and you know what? We are here as well. Reach out to us. We can do mentorship. We can help with yes. sponsorship. You know, there's endless resources. And also understand that you're not going to be best friends overnight. It's a process. It takes time. Relationships take time. You know, you have to nurture it. You have to put in, like somebody said earlier, it's a two-way street, right? You can't just expect to just take, take, take. And, and circle back with that person, you know. Meet somebody. And you don't have to meet weekly. You don't have to meet every month, you can meet every two to three months, maybe twice a year, you know, take some of their feedback, go put it out there, go do the work, come back and circle back and close that loop and say, hey, you told me this, or you, you showed me these things, and this is what I went and did, and these are my results. Nurture those relationships, it's very important. A lot of times you find people saying, oh, I need mentorship, help me, help me, help me, okay, help me get me that job, and forget about the actual relationship of it all. There's just so much more to that, you know, like we said, building careers, building resumes, but also building those relationships, making them solid and, and trustworthy, good relationships. That is what pushes you forward. You know, what can we do? The things like, like you said, you know, starting these type of groups, starting a conversation, making it actionable. Like you said earlier, it's, it's yes, we can have it all, just not all at the same time. And things are changing. I mean, uh, if you look at like historically, you know, in the 1980s, there were no women in the uh, 100 companies and things are changing. They're just not changing at the rate we want them to change. Then 5% of women now in the Fortune 500 companies that are CEOs are exact level, not exactly where we want to be, but still you know, it's slow progress, it's slow progress. And also, you know, things are changing. It's stressful. You know, we have to think about our coping mechanisms. I had a friend share with me recently. She's like just killing it at work and she's doing really amazing. But she has a newborn baby. And when she comes home, she's like, I feel like a failure. I feel like I'm struggling mentally. I'm really not coping in that regard. And and what are those what are those mechanisms for me? How do I get that type of support? So, you know, also understanding and having the conversation. I know a lot of companies are doing these like mental weeks off and mental days off, but like how often are we talking about it? And then when you do talk about it, people say, oh yeah, that's totally normal. Is it really normal to have mental problems? No, it's not, right? So what are we doing to help those people? Yeah, are things that we need to think about as well. 
and and self-care. You know, I when I had my kids, I remember going to the shower and thinking, this is going to be five amazing moments, five minutes that's just going to be all to me. And then I'd see these little fingers sticking under the bathroom door. I'm like, mommy, where are you? And I'm like, oh God, I just, I just want five minutes. <laughs> right? So it's those types of things. It's just taking time off for yourself and it can be in various forms. You don't have to go to a spa day, but if you do good, you know, that's, that's an awesome thing. Good for you. But just taking time for yourself, reading a book, like you said, or listening to some music or taking a walk and listening to a podcast, doing all those types of things. That's self-care. It's just various flavors for people i mean look at serena williams recently she came out and said well she's not going to do tennis anymore right because she wants to focus on her family that is a version of self-care like this is what she's focusing on and that's her priority and that's okay you know she she did her stint and she she did amazing probably one of the great greatest sportswoman in the world and she's decided okay enough is enough and i need to concentrate here because i just don't have it it can't offer it all mm-hmm. and it goes back to what you said about having it all just not at the same time so one of the things a lot of women talk about is like the chores at home. You know, you always feel like I'm doing so much more than my partner. And and I'm not trying to be sexist at all in this way, but I did Google one slide back, Jacques. I did Google how can I get my partner to help? And it was insane the amount of articles that were written in the past couple of months about why doesn't my husband help me (laughs) and and I was like I just googled partner and people are talking about this because it's a problem right women are much more and there's surveys about it there's studies about it so it's not just my opinion it's a fact you ask a man how much he does he'll say he's done 50 percent you ask a woman how much she's done she'll tell you she's done 90 so I'm like you know it's it's (laughs) It's a thing, like, and, you know, just communication and, and really, like I said, start with positive intent, communicate your issues, say, look, if you do this, I'm going to do that. If I'm going to go take this course or I want to study or you need to take a step back in your career because I need to do this. And it just needs to be like this constant dance of back and forth. Like, you know, I'm doing this. Okay, great. I'll take a back seat. You go do this. I'll take a back seat. But in that time of taking a back seat, what does that mean? I'm not going to do anything. Just twiddle my thumbs. No. I'm going to help around the house more. I'm going to do pick up, drop off, or make dinners, or do the groceries, or something, you know, or maybe order in. Those are the type of things that we can communicate about, you know, or like, hey, I, I need this time from four to five on a Tuesday. Can you make sure that your schedule is aligned with mine so that that can happen? It's a simple thing, just communicating it. And, you know, at least you know that at that time you have peace of mind. You don't have to stress about all these other things that are happening. Yeah. So, and it's not always easy. I don't personally always get it right. Yeah, it's a constant juggle, and it's constantly reflecting and, and finding where you're missing it, mm-hmm. and communicating with with the people around you. I just wanted to throw this question out here. Um, I like it. What Pluto said on the chat, um, she said, a question for the mentors and the mentees: What challenges have you experienced in your mentoring journey, and how do you think we can overcome when you find a mentor that they don't have time, right? They're not invested in the relationship. You know, that can be a big problem, right? So I would say find a mentor that has got capacity to to accommodate you, communicate with them clearly. Are you going to meet on a monthly basis? Are you going to meet on a bi-weekly basis, right? So that must be communicated beforehand and, and meetings need to be scheduled and, you know, that the engagements need to be managed in a certain context because before you know it, three months gone and you've not 
not had any engagement with your mentor. So that relationship basically is non-existent. Another issue that can can arise is misalignment, right? The direction that you want to go, it's just your mentor does not understand it or your mentee does not take the actions that are given to them seriously and then run with them. So it's like you're pouring out yourself. This person is not taking in the learnings. So that relationship will ultimately fail. Those are just some that I can think of at this point, but there's quite a lot, but there has to be a contract of some sort, even if it's not a written contract, but then understand what are you working towards? Where are we working? What are we trying to achieve in this, in this mentor-mentee relationship that needs to be clear? Um, I just want to also bring forth what Mushibudi um, said here on the chat. I love this, you know, getting a sponsor, you know, it's the best thing that you can ever do for yourself. But be sure that you shine and you work and you attract the right people to sponsor you. And once if someone sponsors you, don't disappoint them. Right. And I think it's just because no one wants to sponsor somebody that does not perform. Right. So if you sponsored, make sure that you you do your part, you perform so that that person can continue to sponsor other people. So let's not let our sponsors down. Thanks for sharing that. Why I like the. The idea, uh, just make sure you carry your weight. It's, it's your responsibility. It's not that the sponsor's career, it's your career at the end of the day. Larry, is there anything else that you want to, to share with the team? If there are questions, I'll just open one or two for the people online to type or raise your hand. If there are no questions, I'll just, just want to give you a moment, Larry, to say your yeah, I mean, I think it's been really good conversation. I, I, I'm very excited for the coming series that you will bring about. And, you know, I'm putting myself out there as well to everyone here. If there's anything you need, you can contact me. I'm on LinkedIn. We'll share those resources with all of you. And, and you know, like I said, it doesn't have to be huge gest- gestures, but start small, start with something, help someone else. You know, we keep saying women are not supported, but we can support women. We are women supporting women. And, you know, it, it, you don't have to get anything back from it. Just pay it forward. And, and you know, it, it's just creating that positive vibe of what you want to put out there and how you want to help someone without expectation. And thank you all for listening to me and Ali for inviting me. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so much. I want to end off with these two quotes, right? So from uh, Maya Angelou, each time a woman stands up for herself, she stands up for all women. So as we're standing up, just, just remember there are other women that are, are behind us. Um, so we, we, we are paving the way. So we need to do well um, because we're standing up for the next generation of mining women that are coming. So just embrace the journey. Let's embrace the challenges that are here. And the next generation will have it easier than we did, right? But thanks a lot for joining in. Thanks a lot for taking this time out. I really appreciate it. I hope, you know, when we have our further engagements, you will will respond as you did. And we can grow together, build solid networks that can help us, you know, to grow in our careers. Everyone wants growth and everyone wants validation. And we're here to give that to one another. Yeah, let's continue the conversation on LinkedIn. Reach out to me, reach out to Larissa, reach out to one another. We are here to grow together. We can have it all, just not at the same time. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast or this episode, please subscribe, leave a review and share with friends, family and colleagues. And check out our Facebook page at pot of gold for what we're up to.